In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hey, welcome to the Me Show Mission Two Men One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the very, very merry month of May. Oh boy. Which means that it is time <laughs> for another installment, and thankfully the final installment this year. Yes. Of Mother, may I have another one of those bad black movies? We got a doozy for you tonight. Oh. (laughs) We may have a contender for the baddest of the black movies that there ever was. Interesting. Yes. The $6,000 nigga and Soul Plane are waiting with bated breath. Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. And rapping is is nipping at their heels. <laughs> uh, we are in the year of 1987, ladies and gentlemen, and we are reviewing Vincent's selection for mm. Mother May I this month, which is Leonard Part 6. Mm. Written Produced and starring Bill Cosby. Yes, yes, indeed. In ni- nineteen eighty-seven, Bill Cosby. Yes, the 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 height of his powers. The apex. The apex. The apex predator. Yes, in Hollywood. Absolutely. At this time, at, un- look Bill unstoppable. Cosby. Yes. Mm-hmm. Un. Yes. Before Leonard Part 6. Yeah. Which is what we will be reviewing tonight. Uh, Shout out to everyone out there who are watching us as we are streaming live via StreamYard to uh, Facebook and Twitter and Twitch. Mm, Good evening, one and all. Not Twitter. I'm sorry. We're not streaming to Twitter. We're streaming to YouTube. YouTube. That's right. I was like, Something didn't sound right there. Some it's one of them. Right. One of them. We own everything. Yes. I was, <laughs> we're on everything. We're on, we're on Black Planet, MySpace. Is Black Planet still a thing? I don't know. I just I just <laughs> I just like to talk about Black Planet. Were you on Black Planet? I was not. I just remember the commercials and I just love the fact that immediately, like immediately, black people said. Yeah, I'm not. We we need somewhere where we don't have to deal with white people on the internet. Yes, that's true. And somebody said we can make some money off of that, and thus Black Planet. And born. thus Black Planet. And uh, what was the dating site? Black people meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Were you on that? No, no. But no, you were married. I'd about to say yeah. Yeah, you were married. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my first date with Wendy, I had a pager. 
that's how long ago that, that was. That was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. So that was quite a long time. Yeah, I missed I missed all this. <laughs> I don't know nothing about none of this. <laughs> Swiping left, sexting, d- 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 dick pics. I missed all that. <laughs> I was married. Very Speed good. dating. They go, people go to the thing and they say, I missed all that. You missed it all. Like my friends, I had a couple of friends who were single mm-hmm. and they would tell me stuff. And I was like, I feel like I'm watching Logan's Run or Black Mirror listening to y'all talk. <laughs> we're having a good time tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we have emails, Vincent. Ah, emails, missives from the missionaries. Yes, we do. We have an email from Ellis Heron. Hey, what's up, Ellis? With a bit of movie trivia, he says. Okay. I do like that. Hey, fellas. I want to congratulate you both on making it to 300 episodes. Your knowledge of movies and its history has been refreshing. We do our best. With that being said, I'm here to increase that knowledge. Oh, excellent. Unfortunately. Uh Uh-oh. I hate to tell you that I am part of the Department of Corrections. Oh, boy, this, this letter is just a roller coaster ride. Yes. All right, what we mess up? In the Derville Martin <laughs> to John Claude Van Damme segment. Yes. Raul Julia was in Street Fighter. Vince, you were right that his character was in a hat. Okay. You just had him in the wrong video game movie, Mortal Kombat. I thought you were going to get there when you had already thought Bolo was in Street Fighter. Little known fact, Raul Julia was supposed to be the villain in Desperado after he did Street Fighter, but unfortunately passed away before he could do it. Oh, I can definitely see that. Interestingly enough, Antonio Banderas will make an appearance in this movie, in this podcast. So keep your keep your eyes and ears open for Antonio Banderas. Okay. All right. In the Derville Martin to Michelle Yao segment. Okay. It was Sean William Scott who was in Bulletproof Monk with Chow Yun Fat. Sean made his star making turn as Stifler in American. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will always remember him as the annoying dude in, in um the Rundown. In the Rundown, which is Dwayne the Rock Johnson's. Best movie. At, oh, no doubt. Absolutely. Yes. I, I love the rundown. I was actually, I remain sad that the rundown did not become a series. Me too. Because I thought they had really, really good, good chemistry. chemistry. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I, I, to be fair, I thought there was chemistry all around. I thought there was chemistry between him and Sean William Scott. Rosario Dawson was great Rosario in that. Dawson was in there. I really enjoyed that movie. What are the bones of the rundown? Who wrote that script? Who directed that? And we're off. And got, or you want to keep talking? I'll look it up. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let me let me finish his his email while you look that up. Lastly, in the Derville Martin to share segment, Vince, I thought you were going to make the Samuel L. Jackson to Nicolas Cage connection either through them both headlining Amos and Andrew, and Amos and Andrew. Andrew. I don't know if I'm familiar. What was the second one? Kiss of Death. I remember the name Kiss of Death, but I didn't see Kiss What's of Death. What's Amos and Andrew? Amos and Andrew, I don't I, I forget the exact plot, but mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage kind of plays almost a version of his character from from Raising Arizona 
So he's kind of hillbilly-ish-ish. Mm. And then Samuel Jackson plays like a stiff upper lip middle-class black guy. Okay, yeah, I'm seeing it from 1993. Uh, Hijinks ensue. Yeah, a Pulitzer Prize writer buys a cabin. Neighbors get suspicious when a stranger breaks in. They see a black man and call the police. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, uh, hijinks ensue. I, I've, I've never heard of that movie. Okay, I wonder if that went straight to video or something. Yeah. Uh, Peter Berg. That's a good name. Directed The Rundown. And I think I like Pete. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say because Peter Berg did um, Friday Night Lights and and Hancock. So mm. I do like him as a director. So he directed the rundown and who wrote it? James Vanderbilt and R.J. Stewart. I'm not familiar. Let's see. James not Vanderbilt. with their names. Oh, he wrote uh, two, two, two Spider-Man movies. Okay. And Scream. So, mm-hmm. so he's he's a writer good, guy. Good pedigree on it. Yeah, thing. yeah. I, I knew it had. Yeah, it had it's solid. Good, it's, it's it had solid, solid bones. Right. It was well directed, and and but, the script was tight. And I'm I'm surprised that it was slept on as much. And I'm surprised that people haven't rediscovered it. I know. Maybe it's because the Rock has hair. I I know. Mm-hmm. I know. But it's a good movie. Anyway, All right. Too uh, bad. Is I mean, I guess we could could, could could like Rosaria Dawson get it on. I mean, the Rock. I mean, we got the Rock and Rosaria Dawson. Can we do the rundown? Sure. Rundown is on the list. All right. All right. Go ahead. There you go. Uh, Okay. So he says, continuing with Ellis's email, he says that you could have made the Samuel Jackson and Nicolas Cage connection either through Amos and Andrew or or Kiss of Death. You would have made it in four. Also, you were on the right track with Cage being in a vampire movie since he was in Vampire's Kiss, the birthplace of Nick Cage memes and Cage-isms. Like I said, you both are a right. wealth of knowledge, so I hope this adds to it. Thanks again for all the laughs and great reviews. Your boy, Ellis Heron. P.S. Last bit of trivia. Robert Ducoy played King George and Coffee and was mm-hmm. in the pimp council scene in Willie Dynamite. Mm-hmm. So I like to think Willie Dynamite is a prequel to Coffee since he played a pimp in both movies. I'll take that as canon. There you go. I'll take that as canon. And and we talked about Willie Dynamite is is or I forget when um when when we're out of theme months, but Willie Dynamite is on there. All right. Yeah. So thank you for the email, Ellis. We have another email. This one is from Robert Kaplowitz. Hey Robert. Thanks, congratulations, and blade. All right. Gentlemen, I started listening after my wife, Kitson, presented at the improv event with you at Philly Theater Week. Oh, absolutely. Good time. Yeah. And my life is better for it. (laughs) So thanks a million. (laughs) Awesome. And congratulations on passing 300. I've gone back and listened to some of your first episodes. And I've got to say, this has been a spectacular podcast from the beginning. Oh, thank you. Two thoughts inspired by your epic episode 301. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I'm curious what thoughts sprung <laughs> from Soul Man. Um, first, when you talk about the Blade reboot soundtrack and the otherworldly operatic nature of the comic, wouldn't it be cool 
that they featured African-American countertenor John Holiday. Non-opera folks uh, heard him get to the finals in The Voice in 2020. His voice absolutely sounds like pretty much nothing else on earth. Not familiar with the name, so I yeah, I'm not familiar. But but just the way you described him, I, I think that would work. Definitely. I think because I do like like I said, I do think there is this otherworldly sort of feature to mm-hmm. Blades, um, world mm-hmm. that I think you know it's like a world right underneath our world. Yeah, that works really well. That. In both films, I, I think both uh, directors did a really good job it's a, conveying Blade that. One and two. Blade one and two. Blade mm-hmm. one and two. So yeah, even though I, I I would have to say I think it's more successful in Blade one because the second one is definitely leans more on the action. Well, but it's it's Guillermo del Toro, so it's 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 that horror world. I know. I don't, you know. But for some reason, I just feel yeah. I, I in thinking about it. Yeah. Feel like it, it's more prevalent in my mind. Yeah. In the first one. But it's definitely there. Yeah. Uh, Robert continues. Second. Thank you for tackling Soul Man. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> you as, do the work so you don't have to. As a white kid who saw it back in the theater in 96 or excuse me, in 86, I hadn't really never taken the time to look back and really break down why it left me feeling so clammy and uncomfortable. At 13, I didn't have the tools to adequately understand all of the actively destructive crap that made up that turd sandwich of a movie. And it feels good to be able to flush it down the toilet of my personal history. I know that's not why you do what you do, but it's a side benefit on this one. You know, you're welcome. Hey, absolutely. If we if we all get it out of our system, we're doing the Lord's work. There you go. Oh, and knowing movie actors, not making excuses, but it is possible that James Earl Jones <laughs> heard what you laid out as the elevator pitch for the movie. A privileged white kid experiences life through a black lens and comes to understand his privilege and signed a contract based on that. After all, actors often only get their scenes and never even see the rest of the script. But maybe I'm just hoping to keep him on his pedestal. (laughs) Thanks again for all you do, Rob Kaplowitz. P.S. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Car Wash in one of the next 300 episodes. It's so weird how Car Wash has slipped through the cracks. Yeah. Because it seems like a film that we've done already. And whenever it comes up, it's like, oh, wow, we've never actually done car wash. No, we really haven't. Yeah. We haven't. You know, I'm fascinated by car wash because it doesn't actually have a plot. There is no plot to car wash. It is absolutely just a day at a car wash. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. I think I think they loosely try to build a plot like through the. Yeah, uh, the, uh, um, Ivan Dixon's and and Bill, and Bill Duke's, Duke's character, character, sort of, sort of, a little bit. They find something like maybe we'll put a button on this. I hope we're not talking out of school, but why did we not ask Bill Duke about car wash? Oh, you know what? <laughs> How did car wash not come up? You know we don't fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, car wash, man. Yeah. 
And you know, that's one of, um, I forget his last name. I know it's Michael, but it's the brother that wrote. Um, oh, uh, Michael, um, is it Schultz? Yeah, you know, it's a Michael Schultz movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm su- like, you know, Car Wash is one of them films like Car Wash. I'm surprised we haven't done Car Wash yet. I'm surprised we haven't done Cooley High yet. Well, that's on you. I've said this before publicly. I'll say it again. I'm never going to pick Cooley High because that's your movie. I know. So until you pick it, we won't do Cooley High. I know. And it's one of those movies that you kind of like keep on a pedestal because you think, yeah. you, know, you know, Lawrence Hilton Jacob's going to come on the show. It's like, have y'all done Cooley High? I know. No, we haven't. I Would know. Like do it? I know. <laughs> or I mean, maybe get Glenn Turner. I'm about to say. There, there are a couple. Or Garrett Morris. Look. Yeah, we got to get Garrett Morris. Yeah, yeah. Um, See, Robert Monroe Jr. in, in the chat is actually saying, like, boy, I could have sworn that you did car wash. It seems like we would have done it. Because it's a nice, safe movie. Like, it seems like something we would have done in the first 150 mm-hmm. or so. We were kind of getting our feet wet. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's enough backstory that you can talk about it. It's not a whole lot going on in it. No. No. You talk about Ivan Dixon and he's in Hogan's Heroes and this and you know this Bill Duke and to be fair, we've actually done Ivan Dixon a favor in that the first time he comes up on the the show is nothing but a man. I know, which is a superior, I know. far superior which movie. Is also coming up tonight. <laughs> oh, oh, is it Gloria Foster? Oh, that's right, Gloria that's right. Foster. That's right. That's right. Speaking of, you know, James Earl Jones and Soul Man (laughs) and possibly rightfully being embarrassed by being in a movie. Yes. James Earl Jones is in, yes, a wretched movie called Soul Man. Yes. But James Earl Jones doesn't necessarily need to be embarrassed by his performance in that movie. Look, yeah. Because, you know, I mean... Like, is it Oscar winning? No, but he's he's James Earl Jones. He's, right, right, right. He plays know, his position. He plays his position. He, he shows up well. and he's James Earl Jones. Right. But with that in mind, and also thinking about what's coming later down the pike when we get to our review of this movie, I thought for tonight's top five. All right. Our brand new feature, which no, doesn't have a theme song yet, but it's coming. It's coming. You got to build to these things. You got to build it. Because mm-hmm. I got to, I, I still want to hear from y'all whether or not y'all like this. Okay. So for tonight's top five. Okay. I wondered, were there any black roles of embarrassment? Black actors in movies, name actors who really probably should be embarrassed by the roles that they did. Oh, boy, you might step on a few toes with this one. I may step on a few toes, but I try to be very selective. Okay. And, like, like not pick on anybody who's coming right out of the gate with with their career. Right. These are people who have choices. Yeah, exactly. Okay. These people have choices. All right. All right. So you ready for tonight's top five? I am. Who is number five? Number five. Of the top five black roles of embarrassment, we have Halle Berry and Catwoman from 2004. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It, it actually is a film that won, and Halle Berry's performance itself won the uh, Razzie Award. It did. For worst film and worst um, performance in the film in 2004. 
But here's why I put that at number number four, five. Mm-hmm. Because it's a bad movie. Halle Berry owns that it's a bad movie. She accepted her Razzie. She, and I believe at the time, she was the only person to ever appear at the, yeah. their, their award ceremony yeah. and receive yeah. their, her award. She took it in, you know, hey. Look, took it in stride. It, it, was, it, was a, it was a bad film. Yeah. So I got to respect her for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we've always said it. I think Halle Berry has a great sense of humor. Absolutely. And that's just a, another evidence of her sense of humor. Absolutely. So that's why I put her at number five. Okay. Okay? Okay. She's number five. Now, uh-uh. it progressively gets worse. Oh. No. <laughs> and well, people who- Well, it's me. Who should know better and seemingly don't. Now, next, we have at number four. Number four. Michael B. Jordan from Fantastic Four from 2015. Okay. Michael B. Jordan was cast in, in the Fantastic Four movie from 2015 as Johnny Storm, a.k.a. the Human Torch. Yes. In a Another historically bad superhero film. Yeah. Uh, And I think it is a film that if you pay attention somewhere around the 22, 23, 24 minute mark, you can see Michael B. Jordan looking at the camera and saying, uh oh, I've made a mistake. (laughs) Yes. Oh, no, I gotta push back. I think he's he's still fairly early in his career, uh, and this seems like it would have been a good like. I'm trying to get some of this superhero money. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. He's coming off a of Fruitville Station in 2015. Yeah, and I believe that might be. I want to see exactly where I had his filmography, but I had to drop it for a second. Where does that fit? Like this is pre Creed. Obviously, it's pre-Black Panther. Creed comes out the same year. Okay. Creed comes out the same year. Now, the reason why I I don't give him the pass is because while it was in smaller roles, Mm -hmm. by the time he does that, he had done Fruitville Station. Right. Critically acclaimed, but, you know, I don't know if it's a marquee making role. Well, I think it's it's definitely the, the, the film that show that he could be a a leading man of some of some substance okay you you could argue maybe that did more for ryan coogler but still okay but the year before he was in red tails and in chronicle 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 was a good movie yeah and chronicle kind of raised his profile yeah raised his profile yeah and and red tails was definitely more of an ensemble and like a, a a, a bit of a misstep, but not because of the people in it. That yeah. was more about the direction. All right, I'm gonna give you this. But okay. And, All right. and I don't think he's good in the movie. All right. And that's the other thing. He's not good. I mean, nobody is I'll, good in the movie. I also can't really fight you because I, I haven't seen it. You never. Yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about like, even if he's as bad as you say he is, yeah. this isn't, you know, like, I don't know if Eddie Murphy's going to show up, but, you know, Eddie Murphy has been very vocal about he's been in terrible movies mm-hmm. just because they pay him like $20 million. And right. how am I going to turn down to like, I'm from Brooklyn. How much? I'm, I'm like, I think that's a direct quote. Right. Like, I'm from Brooklyn. How am I going to turn down $20 million right. for anything? Right. So, you know, but all right. 
All right. Number four, Michael B. Jordan. Right. And, and just to, to tell you, Eddie Murphy does not show up on this list. Oh. He does not. You will be surprised at who was number one. Oh. But first, we have to go to number three. Yes. And number three is Whoopi Goldberg mm-hmm. for Theodore Rex. Now, unless you think, oh, but it was a stupid stupid movie. She plays a a cob with a dinosaur. You know, it was something silly. Perhaps. But not to Whoopi Goldberg. Because she actually tried to get out of the film. <laughs> and it was actually only through legal action. I was about to say, I think she was sued. <laughs> it was only because a lawyer came knocking at her door yeah, oh yeah. and said, get your ass to the set. <laughs> or run me my money. Yeah, yeah. That is the yeah. only reason <laughs> she shows up in Theodore Rex. Did Theodore Rex actually come out it would it went direct to video because because they realized i almost want to give that a pass a pass so we can do it in may have you ever watched any of it no it is bizarre of course she's running around with the the, the dinosaur from dinosaur yes. show uh, for all no 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 but she's running around begrudgingly yes and, and it's written <laughs> and it's all written over all face. over her face. it's written all over and if you look at the picture that we have on the screen ladies and gentlemen that is directly from the movie poster yeah that oh yeah brain constipated oh, smile oh oh that's a good pull <laughs> so whoopi goldberg and theodore rex is number three number three oh. black rolls of embarrassment oh boy these first two are going to be some some whoppers. No boy. All right. Now, number two number is two. one people might actually see coming. Okay. Because this is from an actor right off of winning the Academy Award. I might, you know what? If it's what I think it is, I might very vigorously and aggressively disagree with you. Let me see if you're going to do what I think you're going to do. It is Cuba Gooding Jr., in oh, okay. boat trip. Oh, okay. Okay. 2002. I thought you were going to do um Lewis Gossett in Enemy Mine. No, Enemy Mine is a is a fun uh, little... I love Enemy Mine. Yeah, it's a okay. fun silly All right. little sci-fi Never mind. Movie. Continue. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Look, he was still eating off of Enemy Mine. Look, I'm Enemy Mine is coming up in uh um Octavia April at some point. Oh, well, certainly. Yeah. I'm, no, 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 no. Okay. Boat trip, however, <laughs> where Cuba Gooding Jr. right after winning the Academy Award for Jerry Maguire found his way onto a cruise ship. Oh Lord. And oh my god, it actually was a gay cruise, and now he's gotta act gay. <laughs> Oh boy, is that with Horatio Sands? Mm-hmm. Is he in it? Mm-hmm. <sighs> and mind you, this was 
after because his act is just it's the next year after Jerry Maguire, uh-huh. but it's his direct follow up to Jerry Maguire. His boat trip. It's it's with Snow Dogs. Snow Dogs. But Snow Dogs gets a pass because it was a family movie. And from what I understand, I think there's some question of whether or not he filmed that right before. Right. Or or like filmed it like immediately after finishing Jerry Maguire. This was filmed in the wake right. of Jerry Plus, Maguire. Plus, Snow Dogs has a strangely passionate fan base. Yeah, well, it's a dumb family movie. Okay, but here's the real question. Is this before or after radio? Oh, this is before radio. So he made Boat Trip. Yes. Which is wildly offensive. Yes. And bigoted towards gay people. Yes. And then he made radio. Then he made radio. <laughs> which is wildly offensive. <laughs> and big. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Because that's the other way that you that you zigged and I thought you were going to zag. When you said Cuba Gooding Jr., I said, oh, well, he's about to talk about radio. No. And then you talked about Boat Trip, which I had forgotten all about. <laughs> right. And, and he wishes that he could. Yeah. But he can't. Because it's out there. Because it's out there. Now, this begs the question, well, what the hell could be number one? I just assume it's Cuba Gooding Jr. again in radio. <laughs> It's not. I thought maybe he appeared on the list twice. It's not. Okay. However, however, it is another actor in a film mm-hmm. after the film that makes him a star. After the film for which he wins the Academy Award. It's not Louis Gossett Jr. in Enemy Mine, is it? It's not Louis Gossett Jr. Okay, in good. Enemy Mine. All right. You know what it is, Vincent? What is it? It's Denzel Washington oh, in what's... Heart Condition from 1990. Heart Condition. That's the appropriate look. Is that the one where somebody gets a black heart and he's a ghost or something? Exactly. Denzel Washington is a lawyer. Bob Hoskins of yeah. Who Roger Rabbit fame is a cop denzel washington is gunned down right and bob hoskins gets his heart yeah as well as his ghost yes and now they have to go and solve denzel washington's murder murder i don't know if i've actually seen that i have is it is it's that that was my other criteria these had to be films that that you saw right it's very very bad now I haven't watched it since ever, mm-hmm. but in trying to get a, a recollection about this film, right? Mm-hmm. I looked it up on the, on the internet. There's this podcast called the Dare Daniel watching the unwatchable where okay. they watch bad, bad movies. All right. Also doing the Lord's work. Right. And they remind me in this little rundown of <clears throat> what uh, about the film. We're 15 to 20 minutes into the movie. We have seen Denzel and Bob Hoskins at various times hit women. Oh, no. Abuse chilled animals. Oh, no. And commit hate crimes. Oh, my goodness. And these are the heroes of the film. (laughs) The 90s were a different time. (laughs) 
Yeah. So um, number one with a bullet because Denzel Washington, 1990. This is after glory. Yeah. Because I wanted to say, well, is this early in yeah, his career? Yeah, no, no, 1990. This is after glory. Yes, it is. This is after Cry Freedom. Yeah. Denzel Washington knows yeah. better. I mean, Mo Better Blues has got to be right, like right there. If it's not 90, it's 91. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I could not give Denzel Washington. And give you a pass, Mr. Washington. No. All right. No. So that is number one. Number one. On the black rolls of embarrassment. Black rolls of embarrassment. This week's top five. This week's top five. All right. Top five. All right. All, All right. right. That's the key. Degrees of Duravel Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where Vincent has six movies or less to get from 70s bon vivant Duravel Martin. An icon, even. Yes, he is. To an actor of my choice, Vincent, I have a femme fatale and I have a male fatale. <laughs> you have a, a, a male fatale. <laughs> well, how can I resist a male fatale? The male fatale? There you go. All right, it's he's six- like sitting by the window, and the shadows are coming through the through the shades. <laughs> one side of it, one side of the, to let you know visually, you shouldn't trust them. No, he's got a mysterious background. Yes, but like all fatales, he's got on red lipstick. Got on red lipstick. In six movies or less, Vincent. Yes, from Derville Martin. Derville Martin. Two. Two. Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine. Hmm. <sighs> Now, to let you know, I chose er- Ernest Borgnine because I knew that I could get to from Dervon Martin to Ernest Borgnine in two movies. Two movies. It's funny because I want to put them in split. Like, I feel like Ernest Borgnine, little pug face. Ernest Borgnine. Are you asking me if he's in split? No, no, no. I'm not asking if he's in split. Wait. Is Ernest Borgnine in split? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. There you go. Yeah, I thought it was in split. All right. Um, Derville Martin is in... Is in... Um... Oh, well, Derville Martin is in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier is in Paris Blues with um, Diane Carroll. Diane Carroll is in Split with Ernest Borgnine. Very good, Vincent. What were your moves? My moves were Derville Martin is in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Spencer Tracy. Oh. Who's in Bad Day at Black Rock with Ernest Borgnine. Bad Day at Black Black Rock. I never think that's a cowboy movie, right? No, it's not. What's that? Uh, what am I thinking about? I don't know. Uh, it's a film I'm about city slickers. <laughs> city slickers. <laughs> it's not, no, no. Um, it takes place like kind of like in a western type of setting, like yeah. Town, but it's not. It's not a um, 
It's not a cowboy. Is anybody wearing them hats? Is somebody okay, wearing them? They are wearing cowboy. Then it's a cowboy movie. But it's not a cowboy because it's not because it's not set in that time. Oh, it's not set in that time. Okay, but, but but because they're in the West, yes, somebody wears a cowboy yeah, hat. Booty sound like a cowboy movie, but it's not. But like Spencer Tracy is wearing a suit. Yeah, he wears he wears a suit. He he is a one armed insurance um like inspector. Yeah, and he's coming to check on a claim right. to this like will be gotten town called Bl- Black Rock. Black Rock. And Ernest Borgnine plays one of the heavies. Uh, well, of course, in it. Yeah, alongside Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin, Robert Ryan. Sounds like a good movie. It's it sounds like something I, I should have seen. It's yeah, damn good movie. Okay, all right, all right. Well, I'm going to split. <laughs> well, yeah, and you, I mean, you got there. <laughs> all right, and it was less than six. Okay, very good. <laughs> all right, very good. And yes, Sharon Eldridge, uh, Ernest Borgnine was in the Wild Bunch with one of my favorite actors, William Holden. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're in my world now. Unlook. All right, you ready for the next one? Benji? I'm ready for the next you did one. Very good there. All right. You ready for the femme fatale? I'm ready for the femme fatale. This might be a little hard for you. All right. In six movies or less, get six. from Derville Martin. Derville Martin to Penelope Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I'm going to get to Penelope Cruz. Uh oh. Derville Martin is. In okay, all right, all right, okay. So, am I going to do this? Derville Martin mm-hmm. is in Sheba Baby with, with Pam Greer. Very good. Pam Greer is in Jackie Brown with Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson is in In Game with Paul Rudd. Okay. Paul Rudd is an anchorman with Jack Black. Okay. Who's in Nacho Libre with Penelope Cruz? Wow. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I, I figure I'd take the back roads. I take the back roads. I think you got to take back roads to get to Penelope Cruz, don't you? Really? No, she's in stuff. Yeah, but I mean, she's in stuff. I mean, I don't she's know. not in stuff that I've seen, frankly. Yeah, like frankly, she's one of those actresses, and in, in those sort of the studio gets a bunch of agents together, and then they make movies. Yeah, movies, so, and she makes serious movies. Yeah, person, you know. Um, but she was also in Nacho Libre as the nun. Was she that Jack Black had sort of a flirtatious attraction with? Okay. All right. You know who almost made the top five black roles of embarrassment also playing a nun in a movie? I I mean, I hope it's not Whoopi Goldberg. No, it's not Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. All right. Jennifer Hudson. What movie is she in playing a nun? Jennifer Hudson plays a nun in the Three Stooges movie. And I started. What, what do you? <laughs> why would you have even watched that? I love the Three Stooges. I love I I love and know everything Three Stooges. Right. I have a Three Stooges. Book. So you watched the Three Stooges movie that had none of the Stooges in it. Well, yeah. Because, okay. Right, just, <laughs> well, just just making sure. <laughs> wait a minute. Like Curly Joe isn't in it. Wait a <laughs> Obviously, you don't know the three suits nobody cares about curly joe 
How you know everything about the three stooges? You just stop at at the the original. Nobody three? cares about Curly Joe. No, no, we understand that he's there, and unfortunately, I believe he up to a couple of years ago had control of the estate. But you got real aggressive just now about Curly Joe. Did I touch a chord with Curly? Yeah. So who is it? So it's Mo Larry Curly. Yes. Shim. Who's Shim? Not Shim. Um. Shemp. Shemp. <laughs> There's somebody, but because Curly Joe was like the last one, isn't yes, he? Yes, yes. It was, it Who's was, after Shimp? It's Joe. Joe Besser. And then Curly Joe. Then Curly Joe, yes. How was Curly Joe? Well, I guess he was the last man he's standing. He's the last man standing. He's the right. last man standing. Anyway, yeah, you know, he's no, of course, no longer standing, but yes, he was the last. How, how was he in control of the estate, though? It seemed because like. he was like the last man standing. And, and, but it didn't seem like he'd be in control of any of the paperwork. historically, for years, they, one, relied on Mo to do most of the paperwork. And Mo, while the smarter of all of them, he was the smartest stooge. So, <laughs> my brother would say he, he was a valedictorian of summer school exactly. exactly so they never really worked out the money oh no right yeah yeah i think in like over the last maybe five to ten years it's been straightened out a little bit so that the the estates <laughs> now you never know what it. kind of factoids this is fantastic <laughs> Larry is a um, Philadelphia native, correct? Yes. Yeah. The mural down on South Street. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, Larry Fine. Larry Fine. But you don't really mess with Curly Joe. Nobody mess you don't mess with Curly Joe. <laughs> Curly Joe Dorita, we don't. We don't oh, oh, you know Curly Joe's yes, last name. Yes, I know his last name. <laughs> yes. Nobody messes with Curly Joe. Nobody messes we with We don't like Curly Joe. We don't really even like Joe. We Joe really, Besser. You don't no. like Joe Besser. No. I mess with Shimp a little bit. No, Shimp was good. I mess with Shimp. Because Shimp right. was he was and Shimp, believe it or not, was he predates Curly in the act. But Interesting. We, but then he left because he wanted to, to do more solo acting and he didn't get along with like the guy who was running the three surges at Ted Healy. Right. So he said, I'm going to go do my own. So thing. then Mo brings in his brother, his, uh, his other brother. Wait. Oh, you didn't know who else is. Mo? I thought it was just Mo and Curly were brothers. No, Mo, Curly and Shemp are all brothers. Shemp is a brother. Yeah. Chef Howard. Boy, sh- boy, I tell you, <laughs> you never knew that. I never knew Shimp was a brother. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. knew he was the fourth stooge. No, no, no. So when they bring in, so when Shimp leaves to go do acting, and you'll you can see like if you look at some old films from like the thirties, you'll see Shimp is like a, a bit of a character. Right, 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 right. So Mo goes and gets his brother, and then to just kind of shape it, shake it up a little bit, he talks. Uh, Curly into cutting his hair because Curly had a full head head of hair, oh. <laughs> but he talks him into cutting his Boy. hair bald so that they will have that <laughs> the three distinctive looks. Ellis, you talking about bringing this is this is this this is my bread and meat right here. This is it. <laughs> this is why I do this right. This is fan. Fantastic. So this means that you are una- probably unaware because it doesn't sound like you were big on Stoogeville. I was I, I was big enough that I could name them. That was it. That was it. Like I knew all six of them. Okay. All right. 
then and I knew that Mo and Curly were brothers. Right. Well, Shemp was a brother. Too. I did not know Shemp was a brother. Now, Curly, after he had to leave, after suffering, I think he suffered about two or three heart attacks. Mm-hmm. So he ultimately had to retire. Right, right, right. After he left, he is retired. He lets his hair grow back. Okay. He had a four and a hair. And then famously on one short that they did with Shemp, and I believe it takes place on the train, they are all like running through a train and you hear a guy snoring and they lift up the hat and it's curly with all of his hair laying there snoring and they just make a a face and put the hat down and, and keep running. And it was the only time all four of them were on screen at the same time. This has been Stoogeville. Look, man, this, this. I could go all day on three stages. Look, this is fantastic. So this is why I had to see that movie. I, look, I, I, I bow to your superior knowledge of the three stooges. That is fantastic. There you go. All right. <laughs> Bree Bree Fox 17 says, yeah, that's right. Call them out by their government name. <laughs> I will. You always feel bad for Shimp. Like, people would shit on Shimp. But I was like, I like Shimp. No, see, Shimp he, is funny. Here's the thing. People don't really shit on Shimp. I mean, yes. Do the, Does the world prefer Curly? Of course. They do. Yeah. Shimp, he, he finds a lane and people, you know, Shemp de- definitely has his fans. Right, right. They shit on Joe Besser, who, yeah. who uh, comes after Shemp. Because right. Shemp, Shemp died. That's yeah. the reason why Shemp left. Joe Besser joins. And Joe Besser had been a star in like the 30s and 40s. He was like on TV. He was on the Abbott and Costello TV show. Okay. He had been like a little bit of a star. Right. So he said, all right, well, at this stage of my career, because they were all older guys, I'll do it. But here's the thing. None of this slapping stuff. Mm. No, 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 no. You're not going to be hitting me. And 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 I think begrudgingly he lets Mo slap him like maybe once a short. Mm-hmm. But like he for like in his contract. Yeah, but he was not going for all of that crazy. That's what, and a lot of it is Joe like needling at Mo because that's one was his bratty character that he played for years and two he was like because i i you ain't doing the other thing right so they they shit on him and then when he leaves and pretty much the three stooges are pretty much there oh yeah they're running on fumes they're, they're running on fumes they, yeah. they, they actually are, are are done yeah but what happens is television happens and television mm. finds all the shorts and they start showing them on TV and their popularity grows again. Right. And Mo and Larry, because they never really made any money on the shorts, now they can make some money on public appearances. And now people kind of want to put them in movies again. Well, right. it's only two of them. So they need to find somebody who can at least approximate the most famous look of the Three Stooges, which right. is Curly, thus Curly... Joe Dorita and Curly has died at this point. Oh, Curly died, and Shimp is dead. Yeah, and people don't mess with Joe. Right. So then you get Curly Joe, which always he looked like a serial killer. Yeah, like Curly Joe just looked really weird, and he was just a a a bit actor. I think he, I don't think he was a comedian, but he did like comic stuff. But he even in the films that where you can see him on his own, he's not 
funny. Right. And on the in the Three Stooges movies, he's not funny. Yeah. He yeah. just looks kind of. He kind of looks like, yeah. Curly. Yeah, kind of looks like Curly. Well, this is, yeah, we got to stop this because this is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. This is absolutely. This we is, were on time. This is <laughs> absolutely <laughs> fascinating to me. I did not know you were a Stooge oh, guy. Yeah. 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 So we yeah, because you know, next I'm gonna ask you something about the about the little rascals, and then we just gonna have to stop. Oh. Yeah, we just gonna have to stop the, the podcast. <laughs> All right. All, All right. right. Okay. All right. Let's get into our review. And then you and I'll talk about it three stooges later. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know, we were doing so we always do this. We were doing great on time. Hey man, this is your fault. You brought up the three stooges. Who knew that you didn't know the three stooges? Who knows this much about the three stooges? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. We there are fans. I know I oh I know they're fans. All right. All right, but all right. Can't get my girlfriend to go with me to, to the three stooges museum but where's the three stooges museum is it here no it's not in philly yeah i was about to say it's just larry here no 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 but uh can't get nowhere to go all right anyway all right <laughs> robert Murrow jr said yeah i was going to say if you could expound on the our gang little rascals next week yeah <laughs> perhaps next week <laughs> tune in for stories from the 30s next week <laughs> Here on the Michelle mission. Um, hey, colored boy, sit in the balcony, colon. 30 stories with Lynn. There you go. Colored's in the balcony, colon. 30s film criticism with Lynn Webb. We can use our same images that we use for the Michelle mission, except they have to put you in the balcony. <laughs> Like they just cut and paste you out of the seat, put you up in a balcony. Maybe put colored only, <laughs> oh, oh, like on top of where you're sitting. Okay, let's get into our review <laughs> of Leonard Part Six. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. is the star of the highest rated series in television history. The winner of four 1987 People's Choice Awards, including favorite all-time male entertainer. The best-selling comedian of all time on records. You don't mean yes. He's got America in the palm of his hand. All right. And now you've got him on video cassette. But I have nothing to wear. Your average tale. Of your not-so-average super spy. Kill him! Adventure so cool. You can taste it. America's living room legend, Bill Cosby. How'd you get on this tape? In Leonard Part 6, on video cassette. Only from RCA Columbia Pictures Home Video. So what else is new? Leonard Part 6, a 1987 American spy parody film. Hmm. 
directed by Paul Wineland and starred Bill Cosby, who also produced the film and wrote its story. Secret agent Leonard Parker is called out of retirement to save the world from evil genius Medusa Johnson, played by Gloria Foster. This film, which also features a cameo by Joe Don Baker, of all people, was Vincent's selection for tonight's stop in Mother May I here on the Michaud Mission. Vincent, what say you of Leonard Part 6? Well, I joke about Mother May I. But in a lot of ways, Mother May I is a great month for us because it lets us off the hook Mm. with with a large part of the exercise that we do from week to week, which is determine whether or not we believe this is a good film. Mm -hmm. By the nature of mother, may I, we go in knowing, well, this this is is a terrible film. This is a terrible film. Right. The film is bad. Right. So you get that out of the way very quickly, which for me liberates me to think about, just other aspects of it. You know, why is it bad? Mm-hmm. What decisions led to it being bad? Could different things, have, you know, all of that. And how bad is it? And how bad, I mean, how bad is it? But, but it gets to a point where it's just varying degrees of bad. Well, I, I only say that because famously, one of your selections for Mother May I was Passenger 57. Right. And in retrospect, I don't think that should have been Mother May yeah, I. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually a mistake. Right. So that's not even a case of, oh, well, that was in Mother May I. And that kind of, no, no, that just shouldn't have been in Mother May I mm-hmm. in retrospect. As the years have gone by, <laughs> we have raised the bar <laughs> or lowered the bar so that, right. you know, and this is a bad movie. This is a terrible movie the 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 acting is is disjointed and all over the place non-existent non-existent and this is a failure of the film and direction and all because this is a cast that has done good work Mm mm-hmm in other films. So this isn't a case of this is an untalented cast. This is just a failure of the direction of uh, the, 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 the story is all over the place. The, the, the pacing, t- you know, back to the, the direction is terrible. This is a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. I will begin and end in the same place though. Famously, The narrative is part of what happened with this film is that there was a breakdown in communication between Bill Cosby and the director, Paul Whelan. Is it Whelan or Wyland? I just think. Whelan. And Bill Cosby famously disavowed the film before it came on. And the narrative is that it is because of this disagreement between director and star that you get this muddled mess. Mm Mm-hmm. But let's be 100% clear about the context in which this film was created. This is 1987. Mm -hmm. The Cosby Show 
had been on, or rather the Cosby show had a run from 1984 to 1992. For the entire run of the Cosby show, it was in the top 20. For five consecutive years, tell them Vince, the Cosby show was the number one show on television. Yes. Something that I believe no other show to this day has achieved besides all in the family. Five consecutive years. Mm -hmm. And let's be clear, folks. This is a number one show in the 80s. Right. This isn't like a number one show now where, you know, I think Yellowstone on Paramount Plus actually has the most viewers yeah. now. But, you know, it's like on Paramount Plus, you know, you know it's different factors. It's going different factors it. going. In. This is in the 80s. Yeah. And, and and this number now is like maybe 10 million. This is back when it was four networks. Right. You had to make a decision. Exactly. If you were the number one show in the 80s. Mm hmm. It was a whole lot of people watching you or they weren't watching other stuff. No less than 20 million people. Appointment television. It is not hyperbole at all to say that in 1987, William Cosby was one of the most powerful men in show business. He was so powerful that the only people more powerful than Bill Cosby, I suspect are people that were so powerful, we don't even know their names. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that happens in 1987 with Bill Cosby's name attached to it that Bill Cosby does not allow. That's right. This is a Bill Cosby production. So first and foremost, any fault that you find with this film is Bill Cosby's fault. Yep. Full stop. Yep. Back to Cosby being this mega entity. The 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 sheer excess and indulgence of this film is is pornographic. <laughs> This film had a budget. Here we go. Of $24 million. Bill Cosby, out his own mouth, says that the idea of this movie came because he saw Rambo Mm -hmm. and basically jotted down some notes on a napkin. But because he is Bill Cosby in the 80s, they greenlit a $24 million budget. Now, just to put that in perspective, Top Gun mm. was made for $15 million. Yes, sir. Raiders of the Lost Ark was made for $20 million. Wow. That's incredible. Rocky Three, the third arguably the beginning of the indulgence of the Rocky movies. That's the Mr. T one. That's the Mr. T one. 17 million. Jeez. 
This is not a small amount of money in 1987. In 1987 for him to make. And I say all of that to say this is another part or another indicator of just how Bill Cosby had no restraints. Nope. You know, obviously, sadly, tragically, when we talk about Bill Cosby now Mm -hmm. and we talk about him just being this unfettered force, Mm -hmm. we talk about, you know, sexual assault and everything that goes on. But understand, this is how Bill Cosby was moving, Mm -hmm. that he could get this film. Like, in my mind, this film needs to be part of the legacy of Bill Cosby. It, well, it is. That he could get this thing made. Mm-hmm. This terrible, horrible movie. Not only get it made, but he's so powerful that even when he figured out that it was terrible, he could say, it wasn't my fault. Yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing. Pass the buck. The second thing is that this film is another example of something that i've been thinking about over the years there's there's this film there's something like um ghost dad bill cosby shows up here and there just throughout the days he he appears in the film that shall not be named that robert townsend made (laughs) that's right that's right i think this film is also another example of just how good the cast was in the Cosby show. Oh, okay. Okay. I think because it's called the Cosby show because of the way it's built, because we, we are, I've never thought that the cast of the Cosby show got the credit they should have gotten as an ensemble. Hmm. Like I think Bill Cosby works best in an ensemble, mm-hmm. you know, Felicia Rashad, I think was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. The entire run of the Cosby show. I was thinking earlier today, has there been a cast of child actors top to bottom as solid as the Huxtable kids? Top to bottom, left to right, and I'm including Raven Simone in there. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the Cosby show, the strength of it really is his moving in and out mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the cast mm-hmm. so that when he's by himself, like he is in this film for the most part. I, I think um I, I think the um the actor who plays his his butler because he's he's a rich retired um spy. Yeah, the, the his butler is Frayne, played by Tom Courtney. I think Tom Courtney just doesn't have that much chemistry. Mm. with bill cosby i think they you you know you see they're trying to do something with them but it's just not there so there's that as as well like it made me kind of think again wow the the cosby show cast was great so terrible movie bill cosby's indulgences makes you appreciate the cosby show okay again if you go in knowing it's terrible you start to you have the opportunity to think about other things. Think okay. about other things. All right. Where did your mind go? 
I was kind of fascinated by the depictions of blackness in this film now. Hmm. Like this is a cast with middle-aged black people. Bill Cosby is middle-aged, you know, by, by nature, he's middle-aged. Uh, Pat Col- uh, Colbert, who's an actress that I'm not super familiar with, plays his estranged wife, Allison. Mm-hmm. You know, they're about the same age. The criminally underused Moses Gunn yes. appears for two scenes, but in a lifeless, listless, humorless film, it's like a peak of sunshine. Mm-hmm. The two moments in here. Gloria Foster, as you mentioned, who plays the eco-terrorist Medusa Johnson. Is that what we're calling her, eco-terrorist? Look, if there is anyone in this film that looked like they were having even a smidgen of fun, it was Gloria Foster. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. And she is eating up the scenery mm-hmm. and she is playing her part. And I loved her. I just loved her. Finally, talking about um, missed opportunities. Bill Cosby's character is estranged from his wife. And because he is estranged from his wife, he has moved across the street. In the house that she, being his wife, has, the old staff is there, led by a butler, Duchamp, played by George Kirby. That's right. Who was an old school comedian. Right. I love George Kirby. So do I. I love George Kirby. And there's, you know, much like I said, there's a moment between Bill Cosby and Moses Gunn. There's a moment between Bill Cosby and George Kirby Mm -hmm. where you get that nice, this really neat frisson where Bill Cosby is very much the 80s polished black comedian okay. black performer and george kirby has that wonderful chitlin circuit mm-hmm. vibe, to him, yeah. vibe to him that you think oh george kirby should have played tom courtney's part mm-hmm. where he could have been that but and i don't know why the choice was made to not have them but i like the image of all these middle age black people Okay. Just sort of in these roles that are decidedly not roles mm-hmm. that you would see middle-aged black actors in. And there is a version of this movie where you have this 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 racial representation mm-hmm. in roles that you don't necessarily see them in, where you have this this mix of tones of action and comedy. The whole whole plot point of someone is a spy and somehow that gets complicated by their family life is one that has worked lots of times. I just saw earlier today the trailer. They're doing a True Lies television series. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did see that, yeah. There's a version of this film that could have worked. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm so adamant about that is because Robert Rodriguez made it 15 years after this. Spy Kids is Leonard Part 6 done right. Yeah. 
But because 1987 Bill Cosby Mm -hmm. can't get out of the way. Right. And because no one can direct, no one can put it together. Paul Whelan famously said he tried to figure out a way to tell Bill Cosby things weren't working. And Bill Cosby told him, you worry about the construction. I'll worry about the funny. That's right. Which anecdotally is something that you hear from the production of the Cosby show, mm-hmm. how Bill Cosby would would sort of overrun the directors and in the and the people behind the cameras. But because it is Bill Cosby in 1987 with the indulgences that we're speaking of, mm-hmm. Leonard Six is Leonard Six. Yeah. Yeah, this is a piece of shit. Um, the, the indulgence that you talk about begins the first, the moment the movie comes on, it begins. Where Bill Cosby, as you mentioned, at the height of his powers, took the $24 million budget that he was given for this film and said, obviously to whomever, because he was the producer of this movie, you know what would be nice here at the top of the film where people usually, especially because this is going to be like a spy film, you may have some real flashy, you know, title sequence and things of that nature. You know, I've got these kids who send me all of these really cool picture pages. You know, I do picture pages. I do picture pages on Captain on Captain Kangaroo. They send me all these cool picture pages. Wouldn't it be nice if we just had some pictures, drawings of some animals and we have them as the title sequence. I think that would be really sharp. Now, I don't know whether or not these drawings are actual picture pages that are sent in by kids, but they might as well be because that's what they look like because they are crayon drawings of animals on black screen (laughs) with just some credits. Yeah. That's your entire credit sequence and the other piece of hubris that told me that oh this is just an exercise in self-indulgence is that along the way in those credits and very early in the credits there is a credit that says assistant (laughs) to executive producer (laughs) Mr. Cosby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This wasn't a credit from the end of the movie. This wasn't even a credit that appears, you know, late in the opening credits. It's about the fifth or sixth credit Mm. that the assistant to the executive producer, Mr. Cosby. Mr. Cosby. Gets their own screen time. Do you know how much people negotiate 
so that their name can either be just alone on the screen as a credit, or if you are a semi-famous actor, then you get the all the lists of the leading participants in a film, and then it'll say, and your name? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do you know how many assistants to the executive producer have gotten their own screen all to themselves for their credit? How many do you think is? I'm going to go. None. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to answer zero. I was going to say zero. That was my answer. Well, it's not zero. Oh, right. It's one. It's, it's one. one. <laughs> and he's the assistant to Mr. Cosby. Mr. Cosby. What's his first name? Mr. Middle name. Period. Period. <laughs> Um, are you freaking kidding me with this movie? This movie, and you you glossed over the best part of this movie. Oh. The eco-terrorist. Yes. Medusa. Yes. Who's not, who's talked about for the first 15 minutes of the movie, but is not named until 30 <laughs> minutes into the movie. Right. The eco-terrorist. <laughs> is mad at the world mm-hmm. for their treatment of animals. Yes. So she is turning the world of animals yes, yes. <laughs> against the world. Yes. So there are terrorist cats mm-hmm. that we see. Mm-hmm. It, you, 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 get, you get a photo array <laughs> of these cats that have killed people, people a, a couple that were killed in their car by killer squirrels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you get your first set piece when a locust of frogs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ribbit their way onto screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, well, they're coming in the hundreds, so they must just go to deafen us with their croaking. Right, right. But no. 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 These are super frogs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because where there are many of us, there is strength. Yes. Don't believe us? Watch these frogs now croak and hop as they lift <laughs> a car yeah yeah mm-hmm. and hop it mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. over yeah. a railing into the ocean yes because Medusa said so. She can control the animals. She can control the animals. I was going to say she's like evil Dr. Doolittle. Evil but, Dr. Doolittle. But he just talked to the animals. No. I don't know if he made the animals do evil. Mm, right. No. Right. Medusa's got other plans for right, the animals. Right, right, right. Are you serious? This is what Bill Cosby wrote. Yeah, yeah, and, and you keep saying he wrote it. This is the story he came up this with. This is the story that he came up with. Which the, the other man wrote it. Oh, the, right. He hired someone else. To- right, right. 
let's be clear. I don't think Bill Cosby sat down with a legal pad no, and wrote not. this out. No, he didn't get into his final script and, and, and pull this pull this together. Right. But this is the fever dream that was spawned by Rambo. Yes. Yeah, Jonathan Reynolds wrote it who went on to win a went on to win a Pulitzer Prize. Mm. So, you know, <laughs> you know. Speaking of what he maybe took from Rambo. Yeah. Because as you will know, and I've talked about it before, it is not long after the whole Rambo and, and Rocky gets real self-indulgent that Sylvester Stallone starts taking control of those, you know, film film series. Yes. And each of them dissolve into basically montages that are strung together. Yes. Yes. Leave it to Bill Cosby to take the wrong lesson from <laughs> yeah, the montage. Yeah. Because Bill Cosby inserts a montage into this movie. Because while he is estranged from his wife, who we are introduced in almost silhouette. Yeah. As if perhaps is Felicia Rashad going to show up in this film as his right, wife? Right, right, right. It's is that could that actually be Diane Carroll? Could it actually perhaps be his actual wife, Camille? Because yeah. she comes off in silhouette and we only see like her her lips lovingly purse. Yeah. And she says, No, meet me at 9 p.m. Yeah. Which then cuts to a montage of Bill Cosby, Leonard Parker, ex-CIA agent, getting ready for his date with his estranged wife. And it is a long montage. It is a seven minute. Yeah. Montage. I was about to say it's almost 10 minutes. Yeah. And the, the movie's only an hour and 25 minutes. Thank you. Yeah. This montage is longer than most songs. Yeah. It's a seven minute montage. And you talk about how he and the frame character who plays his butler do not have any chemistry, really. They don't have any chemistry. Tom Courtney is cast in this film because he's he has in in his in England, he's been in a more than a few spy comedies. Okay. Often playing like either either the butler or some, you know, stuffed shirt and to comedic effect. Sure. So that's why he's casting this role in this film. However, because Bill Cosby, again, as we know, at the height of his power, again, as we know, swimming in self-indulgence. Yeah. Bill Cosby does not want to share the screen with anyone. So therefore, Tom Frame is not really given anything to work off. You know, I, 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 I don't want to put anything on him without proof but what i thought with the george kirby was that like the problem with him and george kirby is that george kirby pulls some of the attention away from him he pulls some of the attention away from him because george kirby is enough of an actor and enough of a physical presence that he knows with what little he's exactly to pull it and i don't want to just put that on bill cos because i do think 
he is fairly generous in the Cosby show. Yeah, see, but that's the Cosby show, which by nature has to be an ensemble. Right. But but yeah, I was uh, yeah. But, I, and, I and what you got to remember is the George Kirby scenes. He, he he pulled a little bit of attention. You could see a little bit, but they actually feel like there's more on the cutting room floor. Exactly, which which speaks to what you're saying. Like because again. There is nothing on the screen right. that got up there that Bill Cosby didn't say, I want this, I want that, I don't want this, mm-hmm. I don't want that. <sighs> mm. And the reason why it, Go- it pains me to say, but I think I agree with you. And the and the reason why Gloria this. Foster does work a, at least a little bit in this film, to be to be fair, I'll be honest, she doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Does she look like she's having fun? Yeah, but I'm still not digging what she's doing because one, the script is so bad. Yeah. So she still doesn't have anything to work with. And I honestly just don't think that she's really acting that great in it. Like, I would have loved to see someone like Eartha Kitt in this role, the exact same lines, but Eartha Kitt knows how to get it over mm. and make it makes it knows how to work with it gloria foster i don't think it it, it, it it's not working at all and Amen. she's got there i'm not a, fighting with you over gloria foster there's enough set pieces Leonard, to, part to, six. to play with you know because mm-hmm. she's in the lands of chippingdales for some reason <laughs> i don't understand it's never explained it's never it's explained. just never it's but just never <laughs> there's all these beefy black vegetarians <laughs> that she's rolling around with it makes absolutely wearing, no wearing sense. white hot pants hot pants and tank tops it makes absolutely no sense no sense at all you know there was an essay floating around that sort of it says in defense of leonard part six and it frames it as this dadaist absurdist comedy mm. where <laughs> mm. no no, I'm just because there are aspects because you didn't even talk. We haven't even talked about the ballet scene where he gets in the dance battle with the vegetarian dancers who are dressed like animals and they're like dancing, yeah, and clawing at him. And it looks like the spoiler, like the waffle party from Severance. And it's like, what is happening right well, now? Well, well, here's the thing because. There's another montage where he is loading up to go on the spy job. Right, right. And for some reason, he's got on this this white jumpsuit, like silvery, silvery, like yeah. white jumpsuit. Yeah. And he's got all these guns and guns bombs. and patch, patches yeah. and pouches. And he's he's got these flat grenades. He's got rocket ships hooked to his elbows. Yeah. And for some reason, and he's got this really dumb looking buckaroo bonsai-ish uh, helmet it on. so bizarre. And this car, and this car with this huge cannon turret on top of right, it. Right, right. But for some reason, it, and, and like, you this is supposed to be the spy gets his his secret ammo. Stuff. Sure, sure. See, that's what it's supposed to be. Sure. And, and and I understand that it's trying to spoof at it. It's just not funny. But for some reason, he gets ballet slippers. Well, remember the Albanian witch who he can't understand what she says. Yes, you heard me right. 
gives him the ballet slippers. Oh, that's right. And says, you have, you know, you're basically, you're going to need these. And somewhere in the film, the Albanian, which also gives him secret meat. Meat. Because meat becomes a kryptonite. Yeah. A bomb. Yeah. A boomerang. Yeah. An infectious uh, uh, disease. Meat. Yeah, because the henchmen are vegetarians. And as we all know, a vegetarian's greatest weakness is meat. Is meat. I think that's the way it works. Random When you become a vegetarian, like if somebody came in here and threw like a pork chop on my face, I'd go, ah! I'm melting! I'm melting! melting. The swine! Unless you not know that it was meat that is thrown on you, Bill Cosby announces, meat! (laughs) Meat! Yeah, he says, meat! 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 And he's just thrusting meat in people's faces. Stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid, insipid. Yeah. Waste of a movie. And I'm not even talking. I have yet to, to mention the $24 million budget. Woo! Apparently, was how much, I guess this is early days of the, of the internet, he had to pay for the clip art that disguises as special effects in this movie. I mean, you know, I try not to jump on the special effects because it's the 80s. Vincent. But this this clearly, you know, I will say this about the special effects or lack thereof. They made Empire Strikes Back for $30 million. Exactly. So so for six more million dollars, you could have an Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, or you get this clip art of a bomb yeah. that goes shooting across the screen into a window. Dude, I have to say, I would love to see the breakdown of where of, they of spent where the, the money. I'm telling you, first of all, I watched this movie last night with my daughter. My daughter, she was the one, because I was just sitting there watching the movie. I usually look up like the, the stuff later. Right. She is the one, like in the middle of the movie, she's like, I've got to see how much this movie cost. Yeah. And then she saw that it was $24 million. The next words out her mouth was, oh, this was a tax write-off for Mr. Cosby. Mm. And I was like, I don't think. Look. Wow. Look. Because the $24 million, Vincent, is not on the screen. Look. It's they, not on the they, screen. They, what do we have? We they, There may be three sets, three or four sets. Mm-hmm. The, the you know they had to rent the mansion i'm going to assume they were you know they filmed in that actual mansion i'm not going to assume that but okay you know nobody got paid on this except bill cosby nobody got paid like you, you talk about pat colbert who plays it plays his wife who you're waiting like i said you're introduced to her in silhouette so you're thinking it's going to be like this, right? Or, or maybe name. maybe a compli- or maybe a complication. She's actually the terrorist, Medusa. That's yeah. what I was expecting. Right, that's I'm right. For it to be right. Medusa. Yeah. But then it comes out, and you're like, "Who was she?" Right. What was all that setup? Right. With the, yeah. And you're what? And you're right to think, "Who is she?" She's never done anything. She didn't do anything it's before. So, she didn't do anything it's after. So weird that she's cast in this film. 
I mean, even in Ghost Dad, which comes out, you know, it's Denise Nicholas. Like, like, like I talked about Moses Gunn mm-hmm. and Gloria Foster and George Kirby, and you get the sense like somebody's doing somebody a solid. Well, either yeah. we read this script, but you are man, so we going to do this, or I'm Bill Cosby. I'm going to break y'all off some of this $24 million, so I'm going to do you a solid. Exactly. But you get the sense someone is doing someone a solid well, to be in this movie. And it, it's the Fantastic Four that you just said. George Kirby, probably a low man on the total pole. Right. Throw, throw him a couple of dollars and a couple of burgers. Moses Gunn, put some money in his pocket. Right. Gloria, Fo- Gloria Foster, okay, I had you on a Cosby show uh, as well. They probably jerked you on the money. Here right. we go. Lion share went into Bill Cosby's money. Rest of that, rest of that check, bulk of that check, paid for three songs from his good buddy Peebo Bryson. Yeah, the only person on this soundtrack and, besides Regina Bell who sings on one song right. with Peebo, and Bryson. they certainly lean on them songs. They don't have anything else to lean yeah. on in this yeah. song, and I'm and I'm willing to bet that the song that he did with Regina Bell was. A song that they presented yeah. to Disney yeah. that they didn't buy yeah. for Beauty and the Beast. And it's like, well, yeah, because yeah, you certainly it's it's not on the screen. I mean, just the two films that I, I cited. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark did their own location. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got these elaborate set pieces, you, you know, Top Gun, everything with Top Gun with the, the planes and everything, but it's and like, I, I thought it was a typo. Like when I saw $24 million at first, I thought, okay, well, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, I'm thinking the, the, the hundred million dollar films like mm-hmm. you see now. I was like, All right, well, I guess that's not that much. Well, let me look up some other movies to get a reference point. And I think I may have looked up empire first. And I was like, for 6 million more dollars, they made the second Star Wars movie? Like, this isn't the first one where they were hedging their bets. Yeah. And they paid George Lucas part of it with the action figure mm-hmm. license. Mm-hmm. I said, well, let me look up Raiders of the Lost Ark and Top Gun. And then that's when I figured out that this had a bigger budget than those. And yeah. then I couldn't figure out where the money went. Yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. And we have not mentioned... <laughs> look... <laughs> <laughs> you go keep finding. I see all of y'all in the chat yeah. saying like y'all building up a case why we sh- should watch this movie. No, 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 no. Don't do it to yourself. No, I think we are building up a case to read about this because I am. I I was actually fascinated by the end, by how this thing happened. Well, like now, I want to read an oral. Here, I will say this, and I said this about the Cosby Show. How like you would hear like every now and you know I'm a Cosby Show dude. Mm-hmm. So every now and then you would hear bits and pieces, a little r- grumble, grumble from the directors and, and the writers on the Cosby show about how Bill Cosby would basically run over him. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, you know, hoping is such a, it's such an icky word to use in this context, but I do hope that in, in the wake of Bill Cosby's fall from grace, you start to hear some real stories. Because mm-hmm. I would love the oral history of this film. I would love to like like how Vulture does like the oral history. Yeah, I yeah. would love to see an oral history of Leonard Part Six. I don't. I don't think I need to see an oral history of, of Leonard Part Six. I will say one thing, and um, you know, anything Cosby now you, revisiting it, 
it just feels a little weird. Yeah. Even even the most celebrated things, even <laughs> Uptown Saturday Night. Yeah. Concert. Yeah. But this film, and it feels weird because it's it's bad. But it also feels weird because a plot point in this yeah, movie yeah. is the reason why he's estranged That's from his right. wife. That's right. Is because she caught him with a 19 with the 19 year old girl. girl. That's right. That is in the script. Yeah. That Bill Cosby signed off on. Yeah. 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 And and I and I, I did go wow. When they, like, wow. I yeah. said wow. Wow, dog. <laughs> it was all right there. Yeah. Like come on i'm like jesus and again this is this is cosby right mm-hmm. now 87 cosby is co- like this is third season we are a hit yes like i'm now wearing 300 sweaters yes cosby show cosby yes. yes like he looks like you know like he he looks like a rich guy he does he actually yeah. looks like even a rich guy even though he is he is um disturbingly sweaty in this movie well i think that's just how they lit black people well i also think see i was going to say that but i also was looking at this film i don't think they have any lights it's like it's so dark yeah the movie is very very dark and maybe that's to hide the climax of the film where bill cosby Rides an ostrich. Rides an ostrich. That's that's the that's that's the image. Like that's is that on the poster? It's is not, the ostrich on the poster? I believe no. The, the ostrich no, isn't on not, the poster. It's not on the poster. Yeah, no. I mean that's the image right there. It's he he rides an ostrich, and the ostrich, which famously does not fly. That's 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 the point you want to pull. Ostriches, but can't this fly. ostrich. With 200 plus pound Bill Cosby sitting on top of yeah, does fly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. One of the many reviews <laughs> that talk about this train wreck talks about the fact, and, and I think this is 100% wrong, that Bill Cosby, part of what goes wrong in this film is that Bill Cosby doesn't do physical comedy which I think is just a complete misreading of Bill Cosby. I think Bill Cosby does great physical comedy, he does. especially at this time because he, he like, he's an athlete. Yeah. Like you can look at him. He looks like a dude who used to play college sports. Mm-hmm. And again, this is 87 Cosby. Mm-hmm. So he is kind of. Yeah, but he, he's not, he doesn't do a lot. Of oh, he doesn't do it. Yeah. He doesn't do it. Movie. He doesn't do anything in this at all. No, he doesn't do anything in this at all. At all. At all. But, cash a check but cash a check so there you go so despite what all of the yes (laughs) missionaries are saying in the chat Mm -hmm. about how they feel they should watch this yes vincent yes would you recommend that the missionaries watch leonard park i would not recommend this film much like last week that train wreck made me want to go watch a better film Mm-hmm. This film made me want to watch again um Spy Kids. Which Spy I th- Kids was a very cute movie. Which I yeah. think kind of pulls these elements together mm-hmm. and it works. Mm-hmm. Here's something did, did you notice? There are no kids in this movie. No, his daughters play in her film debut, uh Victoria Rao. Um, but not but she's like in her 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there are no kids, which is which is another 
sort of weird move in 87, which now I just, I, I'm this just hit for me. Bill Cosby. This just hit me. He's this Leonard is estranged from his wife because his wife caught him with a 19 year old. Yes. Seven years ago, seven years ago, his daughter is 20, has show, is 20, just showed up at his house and she's estranged from her mother because the daughter is dating an older man. Yeah. 59 year old yeah. Moses Gunn. Yeah. Who has cast her in a, in the play that he's written yeah. that she's the only one on the stage that is completely naked. Yeah. It's, it's all it, right. There. It's some weird energy in it. I just, that really just, yeah, it's that. weird energy in it. Yeah. Okay. So you wouldn't recommend this. No, 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 not at all. I want to co-sign with you and not recommend it. However, oh, this is the most interesting however I've ever heard. There is a part of me. Mm-hmm. Once Leonard part six to develop the cult status of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. Because I could see people, I could see going to a midnight showing of Leonard Part Six and people breaking out ballet slippers. Sure. People throwing random pieces of meat onto the stage at, at, at inopportune times. Right. Taking out ostrich feathers and running around this, the, the movie theater. Sure. I could see it becoming more of this funhouse communal experience mm. for people. I mean, look, I, I mentioned that article. There is this, there is, it's a bizarre film. It's a stupid, silly, like it's people, stupid and it's silly, but it's also bizarre. Yeah. Like when, like when the, the frogs, yeah. I can see people in the movie theaters, ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. Right. Right. I, I, I you know what? You, you're recommending it. You get give me a couple of drinks. I could probably have. I'd some look. Fun I don't want to. That might be a special point. occasion if, for if, me to if, break out. If this. you engage in some type of chemical altering, whatever <laughs> that chemical chemical altering is, this is probably a film that would give you an experience. It would. It would. All right. I know. This, I think that's where I'm landing. Okay. All right. I think there you I'm go. Landing. Added to the films that Lynn recommends and Vince doesn't. <laughs> no, wait a minute. No, no. Uh-uh. Book is closed now. Book is closed. <laughs> I don't know if I want that on my... <laughs> Get the gavel. <laughs> I don't know if I want that to be number Just 10. Judy say me and Bert are having sushi for lunch. <laughs> I don't know if I want number 10. <laughs> nope. To be too late. <laughs> Too late. Too late. Thus endeth May. <laughs> Too late. Come on, Lynn. Before you tell us what we're going to do next, you're going to say some other stuff. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Say it with your chest. Okay. Oh, well. Nope. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> My die is cast. <laughs> I will never live this down. Uh, the Michelle Mission. Check us out, ladies and gentlemen. Two men, one podcast. 
Every black film ever made, The Michelle Mission is produced by Vincent Williams and Len Webb, with co-producer Maurice Poplar. Social media by Toya Haynes. Our theme song is by Alexa Gold. You can go to alexagoldmusic.com to check out everything that she's got going there. You can go to michellemission.com and hit swag and check out our cool designs available by way of our good friends at T Public, including our Six Degrees of Durbell Martin collection. We actually put up two new designs over the weekend, so you want to check them out. Pretty cool. Uh, you can email us all your thoughts and concerns to the Michelle Mission at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 215-867-9666 and tell Vincent and Len what's on your mind. Follow the Michelle Mission on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Michelle Mission and subscribe on YouTube and Twitch at Michelle Mission, which is a proud member of the Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. If you really want to help this show, and we know you do, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you find the Me Show Mission because that helps people find our show. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, so next week here on Tuesday will be May 31st, but since our show actually um, goes out to the public on that Wednesday, um we will be considering that the first of black music month. Yes. Next week. And we will start black music month in style with Don Cheadle from 2015's biopic of miles Davis. It is miles ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen this? I've never seen the movie. Me either. Kind of slipped through the the crack. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Looking forward to that next week as we kick off, Five weeks. Oh, yeah. Of Black Music Month here on the Michelle Mission. It will be promises to be a great time. Until then, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again. 